You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, it's Bridget here. I had the pleasure of chatting with the amazing syrup designer and beautiful creative mind, Miss Rave Schneider. She shared her incredible journey from a Miami inspiring designer to Chicago where she became a business owner of some really exciting creative spirits, online cocktail workshops, and so much more. So grab your favorite Maker's Mark cocktail and prepare to be inspired. Rave, welcome to Served Up. I'm so happy to have you as a guest today. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like I've known you for decades and decades Although I, 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 it probably has been about a decade, one decade um, for sure. And your career is one that just marvels me. And I can't wait for our listeners to learn more about you and your journey. And so, you know, let's start off about, you know, where, where do you come from? Did you go to college? All that good stuff from your beginnings. Yeah. So uh, my story is a little bit twisty, I would say. Um, I grew up in Carmel, Indiana. I lived there until I was about 22, 23, and then decided that I was going to move to Miami and be in the fashion industry. In the interim, I had not gone to college and started working in the service industry in Indianapolis and kind of got to know the industry there. I really didn't have much experience at all. (laughs) And a friend of mine's girlfriend hired me at Fleming's Steakhouse. So if you know anything about Fleming's Steakhouse, they have a hundred wines by the glass. I literally think I'd maybe had a one glass of white Zen in my entire life. Um, She was like, I'm going to be your mentor. This is going to be so amazing. We're going to have so much fun. She, you know, put through my wine test, which you were supposed to take. I did not take it. I don't know who did, but somebody did. (laughs) And then she hired me on Friday, put the paperwork through and quit four days later. So I walked in there and I was very lucky that they were nice enough to really train me, but I had no experience in wine whatsoever, let alone cocktails. And I remember like trying conundrum as the first glass of wine that I was like, okay, maybe wine's not so bad. And then I had another, like, it was a glass of San Giovese. And I had this kind of awe-inspiring experience. I'll never forget that bottle for some reason. That was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe I get this. And I had somebody in the industry that kind of mentored me from there, even though it wasn't exactly who I thought. Um, And then ended up moving to Miami to try my hand in fashion. I got hired. I started building my styling portfolio and got laid off in 2009. And that's when I landed in Chicago. Let's talk about that because I remember when you landed in Chicago and I received a phone call from you out of the blue. No, it was actually Uh, a Facebook message. 
Oh, was it a Facebook yes. message? Okay, so this is Can you tell this- that story? Yes. Yes. So Kyle McHugh had drinks over Dearborn and he had been on Groupon and I didn't purchase the Groupon because I thought that the dates that they had listed were like you had to participate in those specific dates. I didn't really quite understand Groupon, but I followed them on Facebook. And so I remember they tagged you in a post about your book that had been coming out at that time. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, I'll send her a note. Maybe she'll see it. Maybe she won't. I have no idea, but I have to, you know, take my shot and see what happens. And so then I sent you a Facebook message and basically just saying, I want to be in the industry. I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I think I'd probably be decent at sales or brand ambassadorship. And you were like, can I take you to lunch? And then where did we go? We went to, um, it was you, me and Debbie and we went to lunch and we were fast friends ever since fast friends ever since. And that's the last time anybody's ever sent me a Facebook message. And I was like, yeah, I'll take you out to lunch. (laughs) I don't even look at those anymore. So that's how long, that's how far we go back. But let's talk about, you know, what happened when you came, you know, to Chicago, because that's such a big shift from working in the fashion industry, right in Miami, and then really trying to find your footing in such a big city. So where did you go once your feet hit you know, Michigan Avenue, where'd you go from there? So I knew that, you know, I had enough experience kind of in the industry to get my foot in the door, but it was primarily in the service side of things rather than bartending and knew that given my, I did bottle service occasionally when I lived in Miami. So I had the wherewithal to work at a nightclub. Frankly, I was a club rat in Miami. (laughs) So I went out all the time. I remember showing up in Chicago and my drink of choice at that time was vodka water. And then I started drinking all of these cocktails, namely mostly like stirred cocktails. And I was like, what is this? This is not vodka water. (laughs) Um, So I landed the first job that I got in Chicago was at a restaurant that was just opening called Prime Bar. I think I worked there for probably two weeks and then got hired at a high volume sports bar called Bull and Bear, which was half club, half like at at night, it was a nightclub, but during the day it was more like restaurant bar and like, you know, just drinks, a lot of drinks. So heavy cocktail waitressing. And then that's when I started the Academy. And I remember a few very specific instances going through that. It wasn't inherently the first academy that I went through, which was just very much the basics, but I think it was the advanced academy where we went to Mexico and then we went to um, a few different distilleries in Kentucky and ultimately ended up at Chef's Garden. And so when we went, went to Chef's Garden, it was the first time I really kind of cracked open the flavor Bible. And then we had a cocktail competition. And that was the sort of the first like light bulb moment that I remember, okay, I kind of get this. I might not know exactly how to put together a cocktail, but I know based on this that I can kind of understand flavor. From Bull and Bear, I got hired at Guilt Bar, which is a classic cocktail bar in Chicago. And I, it was all classic cocktails. I would say I learned sort of the ABCs of cocktails from that point. 
it was really easy build, not easy build, but all classics kind of come from somewhere and all of the classic recipes that they had were pretty straightforward. And I might not be super analytical, but that kind of flipped a switch in my head that said, okay, I really get this. And so now understanding that I'm actually pretty good with flavor and that I was now with the knowledge of all of these classic cocktails, I was able to then translate my ability with flavor to these classic recipes. And it was kind of just from there, it was just kind of plug and play in my opinion. I started doing fairly well in some local cocktail competitions. And then they realized at Guilt Bar that I really was a bad bartender. <laughs> I I wasn't exactly- No way. <laughs> well, I wasn't exactly honest on my resume. I will be very transparent about that. But I do remember during your the secondary academy, I was up for a sales or brand ambassadorship with a brand that at the time was really, really popular. And I met with the owner. I met with all, you know, I had a few different interviews and I ultimately did not get that job. But because I didn't get that job, I took the bar, the job at Guilt Bar. And if I can point to anything in the universe, like having a plan when you don't really know it, whether you want to call it the universe or God or whatever, because I thought in my heart that that job was what I was meant to do. It was like that job was meant for me. I was supposed to get this job. It was going to be the next thing in my career path. This is going to, you know, give me the tools to get where I was supposed to go. And I didn't get it. And I was like, 26 at the time and flabbergasted and devastated. And then I took the job at Guild Bar. And from there, while I may not have been a fast bartender, it was all of the tools that I needed to start what I actually ended up starting, which is, you know, 10 years later, I'm still doing that. So um, once I left Guild Bar, I helped open a beverage program at a place called Union Sushi and Barbecue Bar, which is in downtown Chicago. And saw how a beverage consultant works and then was able to kind of curate my own program, not a, not my own program, but start coming up with my own original recipes and worked at, rather than the service bar, because I was not fast enough, um, worked at the upstairs bar, which is a little bit more curated. Then I was online dating like everybody else was at the time. This was pre-dating apps. This is like, you know, actual match.com like real dating, you know, online dating. And I had gone on a couple of dates with this guy and he had popped by union to see me and say hello. And he said to me, you know, you make such great drinks. Hmm. Show me how I could shop for my bar at home and how I could make cocktails at home. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is brilliant. It, it That marries the two things that I love to do, shopping and booze. And so... He didn't think it, he was like, how could you monetize that? How could you do this? How could you do that? That's, it does not really sound like a sound business idea. I was like, huh, I do. We never went out again, but that's how he got the idea to start the business. My manager that worked at Union Sushi at the time said, because I mentioned it to her, she said, this is such a great idea. You're a female in the industry. You're kind of an outlier in that you're very feminine and why don't you use that? I, it was really under the premise that I would just do personal shopping for the home bar. I remember scratching out on a napkin, literally back of the napkin at a restaurant, like coming up with 
names for the business. And I said, I want to like honor my grandmother. So I'm going to call it Crabtree Cocktails or Crabtree Consulting. And she was like, absolutely not. No way. No how. That is not happening. It's funny. And then it was like luxurious libations. She was like, eh, wrong. Nope, not doing it. Um, so she said, you really love coupe glasses. What, how can we like incorporate that? She's like, you're very feminine and French. And, you know, my thought, my target audience was just going to be guys and traders who wanted to set up their home bars and impress women, frankly. And we ultimately landed at Femme de Coupe, which, you know, if you know anything about the coupe glass, it's traditionally said to be styled after Marie Antoinette's breast. And, you know, it meant lady at the cup. And it was just this kind of whole romantic story. And I took the $5,000 that I had in the bank and got a somebody to do a logo for me, somebody to do a website. And then I hired a publicist. And was like, I'm going to take over the world. I hadn't, I didn't even know what an LLC was. I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> Absolutely no clue. But I started it on a wing and a prayer and a whole lot of dumb luck. And from there, the publicist that I was working with suggested I teach a mixology class or two just to generate interest. The idea of the mixology classes really took off. And the personal shopping side of things never really did. What I thought would be my core audience was primarily men turned into like 90% women. <laughs> and yeah, so that, that, I, that was a very long winded in, like way to answer your question. I don't know if that was like too much of my story all at once. No, it's, it's great. Go. It's great because I mean, I, I love it because I remember when you came to Chicago and I had the giant honor of watching you, you know, and creating your company and then evolving into what you have today. So I'd love to talk to you just about that transition and that big link in your story. Yeah. Well, I would say coming into a business, I, you know, having not had any college experience, not that college experience is necessary to start a business, but I think a lot of my mindset was that well, I didn't go to college, so I maybe don't know nearly, I don't know nearly as much, but I, I followed my instinct and just kind of went for it. And that can be just as valuable as spending a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars on a college education. Um, but we can talk about my imposter syndrome later on in this. <laughs> yeah. So it has been a very sordid journey, I would say, to get to the place that I'm at today. In 2020, I genuinely thought that I was going to move on and move into interior design. And this company was, and this, the idea of this business was really done. And again, it was one of those things that it was God and the universe or however you want to phrase it saying, just give me like five more minutes, or at least that's what I say, because in my mind, there's no reason after all the times that I tried to like give up on this or say that I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore, that it came back in such a bounding way. I'm so glad that you got that little nudge from a higher power to keep you going. And I want to talk to you about your delicious syrups because you really went from being mixology class forward, which I know you still do today, but at some point you did decide to create some pretty delicious, um, very unique, the most beautiful packaging I've ever seen. My goodness. And, you know, can you tell us 
where that inspiration came from and how did that come to be? So I taught classes for, or I've taught classes for years. And when I started teaching classes, it was, I think any mixologist will tell you, it's very commonplace to make your own syrups. When I started teaching these classes, one of the very first questions always was, well, where do I buy these syrups or how do I make these syrups? And so I just kind of sat there and thought, well, I can give you a recipe and everybody's like, well, I don't want to go source these ingredients. I don't want to take the time to do this. So I started, I literally was delivering them in ball jars with like labels on them, had no clue what I was doing. So started there. And then again, still working with that same publicist at the time, there was a like kind of a local artisans market in Chicago called Dose Market. And she suggested I get involved there. So I think the first time that I did it, I'm trying to think back because this was like 2012, whether I did it one time and just gave away information for the business or whether the first time, you know, was very much like, okay, we did this. But again, I use the same graphic designer and we created this label. Meanwhile, I lived above a Walgreens. I literally ate ramen from there every, almost every night for like two years. And I remember not really how much I really didn't think that through. I had never bottled syrup. I'd never put syrup in a bottle. I had somehow gotten a connection to a guy in Northern Indiana who had bottles. It's, you know, I I showed up with my little, no, I don't even think I, I don't even know if I had a car at this point. So I don't even know. I don't remember how I got them. I think I was taxiing everywhere. So I got these bottles and I knew I had to do Dose Market. I had these labels designed, but was like, oh, I'll just print these out at Kinko's and we're just going to like put them on the bottle. And events were going pretty well at that point. I had two interns and I remember printing these labels out at Kinko's and we just thought that we would cut it out. We would put it on the bottle and it'd be great. We were just going to like cut them with like a, a straight cutter. and then. We're like, this doesn't really look right. And then one of the three of us hand cut the label out like as a die cut. And we are like 72 hours before the event. We hand cut like 400 or 500 labels, intricate labels by hand before this event. I remember being so tired that the first batch of what is now our winter spice syrup I definitely put double the amount of sugar in, but I didn't have any more ingredients and I didn't have any more time. So it was like a two to one syrup. And I was so delirious because I think I'd probably been up for 48 or 72 hours. I remember getting to Dose Market and not remembering it. I was like blacked out. I was so tired, but we, we sold out of all of the syrups. And then from there, I got approached by a restaurant in town that was getting ready to open their beverage program or just open in general. And so my brain was like, okay, well, if I can make syrups for people that are making them, you know, want to make cocktails at home, maybe I could probably do that for cocktails that are going out at a restaurant or bar. So that's how the business really started. From there, I was able to say, okay, so this is like, pretty high volume restaurant at the time. Um, I was able to figure out that, okay, this is essentially like 
when I'm putting this out, I'm getting a residual every time, you know, somebody orders a cocktail. So I was still doing a lot of events and occasionally doing dose market. You go to a, one of these markets and people are like, well, where can I buy this online? This was like, you know, nine years ago, eight years ago when like the internet, it just wasn't what it is today. There wasn't a, this, these on, huge online marketplaces. Developing a website cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I didn't have it. I, I mean, I could barely feed myself, let alone like <laughs> buy a $10,000 website. And, you know, I didn't think, oh, well, let me go get an SBA loan or let me pull out, you know, a business credit card. Everything was done with cash. Everything was done by the skin of my teeth. And the syrup started from there. And one restaurant became two, became three, became four. But I'm not a salesperson. All I've been blessed enough to say that the entire duration of the business, all of the business that we've gotten has been inbound business rather than me having a salesperson out there saying here, like, come work for, or come work with us, or we, this is what we can do for you. And even today, all of our business is still inbound, which is the craziest, one of the craziest things now being a little bit more aware and in this, that's nuts. Like really, it is such a different story than most people have because sales strategies, that that is what I'm looking forward to in the future. But right now it's just been, you know, I've been very lucky to connect with a few people that have really liked what I've done and really connected with the way that I position things. And um, it's just grown from there. You definitely have put in your blood, sweat, and tears in each and every one of those syrups. I know that. And I know that you've had, you know, so many challenges along the way, but I do think that with those challenges come learnings and just, just make you even stronger and bolder, right. You know, as your business grows. And one of the things that I really admire about you, you know, being, being a woman myself is putting yourself out there as a woman in this industry with a brand that is so completely unique from anything else that's available in the marketplace. Can you talk to, you know, what that has been like for you? I will say that to be honest, if I'm acknowledging my own privilege in this moment, I, I didn't ever think about the fact that I couldn't do it. I would say that even from the time that I started the business and quit my job two weeks later, I never, I never thought that I couldn't do it. And I don't know if that, given where we are as a society now, is really something that you need to acknowledge that as a white female, like I just never said, I can't do this. This isn't something that I can figure out. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be put in different positions that allowed me to grow the business. But that's also come with a lot of help along the way. But I think it also came from a position of being very unique and the way that I chose to message and position myself. I agree. Um, can you tell me about this, the syrups that you are currently offering today? Yeah. So as of today, we have a few different, what we call our core line, um, which is smoked salt. I always love a great Paloma. And I think, you know, having been in Mexico with you, I think one of the best parts about a Paloma is that it has a salted rim. And I think a lot of places that I go to in Chicago forget that. Um, and so in an effort to circumvent somebody forgetting to rim the glass, we add salt to the syrup. And then we have uh, ginger zest, which is a spicy ginger syrup. We have a winter spice, which is the first syrup that I ever started making 
but is now going to become simply spiced. And then we have lavender honey kind of in that core section. And then we have green tea, which is our spring seasonal. We have hibiscus rose, which is our summer seasonal. And then spiced apple, which is for now fall and winter. You're making me thirsty over here. (laughs) So um, what can we expect from you next? And where can folks find these syrups? So next, the next chapter is a lot of fun, but now that we've been able to really see, given the current climate, that this is a product that people want, that we are growing. We, through 2020, went from a team of me to a team of five. And I think over the next probably two years, we will grow from a team of five to a team of upwards of 20, which is kind of great. And so we are planning on some national expansion. And then as of right now, we are available online and we are planning to expand on an e-commerce perspective, I guess you could say. That's really kind of our plan moving forward as well as on-premise. Good. If you could maybe leave us with some inspiring words for those who are really forging their paths right now, I believe that one thing that COVID has taught us that first of all, anything's possible. And then how do you make your true goals come to life? You know, how do you persevere even during these hard times? It's still a tough time, even with things opening, um, because your story has pivot all over it <laughs> as much yeah. as I don't like that word I mean you you've pivoted left and right throughout the years and it, you've really landed in, in a very unique um, successful place so I appreciate you saying that so because for me sometimes it doesn't feel it, I haven't hit x y and z goal so it it hasn't felt like su- a success for me sometimes I think Given that I didn't have a lot of experience behind the bar before I started the company, I really went into it with kind of the mindset that I knew what I was doing, but I also felt like I didn't fit because I didn't spend enough time behind the bar. I did get some, you know, there were comments that I heard made, well, you haven't put in your time, you haven't done, you know, enough to justify the press that you're getting. But what people I don't think realize is just because you're getting press, that does not equal sales dollars. That does not mean that your, your, your business is flourishing. It might look like it, but I dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome for a really long time. I also realized that I am inherently a creative. I don't have any business executing a business. I am a great person for ideas. I'm a great person for being able to see the long-term vision where I really stumbled along the way was being able to say, now, how do I execute this? I'm not an operations person. You know, I did bring on a partner and it didn't end up being a successful partnership, but I learned so much from that relationship and what to do and what not to do, how to separate yourself from being a, you know, a friend versus being a boss. And even today shifting from how to be a small business owner to now a CEO. And so Yes, the journey has been filled with all kinds of pivots. And I, you know, there are definitely more times than I would, I probably should admit that I wanted to give up and even tried to give up. But I think my biggest takeaways from the past 10 years are 
ultimately the universe if you've ever read the book the universe has your back whether you believe that or not i, I truly think it does i think everything because everything that's happening right now is everything that i thought would be happening five years ago and ultimately i was not ready at that point i was not i was not confident enough in myself i was not confident enough in the business i was not really able to see the bigger picture of why things happen and why chips fall as they do. And I think for a long time in my head, I took that as, man, I really screwed up. But the reality is that was just setting all of setting the stage. It's essentially been a 10 year case study and how to truly, this has been college for me, if you want to say it like that. The position that I'm in today is nowhere that I ever expected to be. I couldn't be happier that this is where I'm at, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's taken a lot of perseverance. It has not been glamorous. It, frankly, it's been completely the opposite. <laughs> um, and really figuring it out as it came to me. And for all of the stuff that has been skewed and the number of times that we've had to pivot, I don't know if I would change it. I think it's been a really interesting journey and the story behind it now, I'm so much more proud of. Had it, you know, just been a success right off the bat. I'm incredibly proud of you. And I want to thank you for being on Served Up today. I know that your story will inspire many to not to quit, right? Not just to give up, you know, pull up your bootstraps and get to work. Um, that's what you've done. And because of that, you are successful and you never give up on your dream. And that's something that I admire about you, Rave. So thank you for coming on Served Up. I just want to wish you so much peace and great health during this time. And I do hope that you'll return back again and give us an update on how you're doing. That would be great. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!